are listening to the Zero Lives Left podcast, episode 53. Welcome to the Zero Lives Left podcast. What is it you have always wanted to do? Are you stuck going around in circles? Sound familiar? Maybe you have always wanted to start a business. Maybe there's a particular career path you've wanted to follow. Each episode, we bring you an inspiring insight from someone who has done it, how they did it, along with actionable tips on how you can make it happen. Now, here's your host, Wayne Denner. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Zero Lives Left podcast. My name is Wayne, I'm your host on this journey. Thank you once again for tuning back into another episode of the show. As always, if this is your first time coming across this podcast and you have no idea what it's all about, let me give you a quick rundown on how things work around here. Each episode, as always, we bring you no-nonsense, real, right-to-the-point podcast banter on business, career, and life. Maybe you're somebody who's always wanted to start your business or get started in a particular career path. This is the podcast for you. You have come to the right place and we're going to have something useful and helpful to help you along today on that journey. Don't forget if you're listening to this podcast today on iTunes, please do rate and review the podcast. If you're listening over on Stitcher, Spotify or Allcast, please don't forget also to rate the podcast. Ratings and reviews are really important and they do help other people find out about the show. If there is somebody that you would like us to feature on the show, maybe a guest that you think we should have a conversation with, please do reach out, please do get in touch. We would love to hear from you. We're always looking for interesting and dynamic guests to come on the podcast and share their story with you, our listeners. You can stop by the Zero Lives Left podcasting website. It's now open, it's operational. Lots of great information available over on the website. All of the previous episodes of the podcast and also some further information on our guests. And of course, you can get in touch with the show by dropping us an email into studio at zerolivesleftpodcast.com. We've got another exciting episode coming up for you today. This is one that we have had on the back burner now for some time due to COVID-19 and all of the things that have happened over the past couple of months. It has been difficult to get a sit-down conversation with people. We've been doing a lot of our podcast interviews via Zoom and other technology platforms. But today, we were back out and we were chatting to one local entrepreneur who has got a very interesting story, has got a very interesting business journey. We're chatting to none other than Leanne McCooey of McCooey's Coffee Shop in Newry. Leanne's going to be talking all about her business journey from dropping out of university to starting and running her own business. Of course, Leanne is one of those huge characters in the local area on social media. She's going to be talking all things social media and sharing her top tips on how businesses can really tap into the power of social media for their business. And she's also going to be talking about today's society and today's world that we live in and how sometimes failure can turn into actually being your biggest success story. All right, let's not waste any more time and get right in to episode 53 of the Zero Lives Left podcast. Leanne McCooey, thanks for joining me on episode 53 of the Zero Lives Left podcast. Leanne, take us back to where it all started for you in the hospitality business. I suppose I know you from from that industry, from that space, let's say. Yeah. Um, 
But I gather it didn't start in the metropolis of Newry City. It, it, it happened actually somewhere else. Yeah, it happened in the metropolis of Newtown Hamilton Town, which is the second largest town in South Armagh. I don't know. You might need to fact check that one. But I definitely know Cross McLean, but it's bigger than Bleak. Um, yeah, we had a family pub in the early 90s. So that was as much fun as you can imagine it would be. And I was 10 and pulled my first pint when I was probably 10 and a half, which was good. And just generally soaked up the atmos of early 90s drinking in South Armagh. Being involved in a family business, obviously you're exposed to the raw reality of business. You see it all, you hear it all, you see how difficult it is and how challenging it is. You probably learned a lot in those days. Uh, I I probably didn't learn an awful lot about the nuts and bolts of business because of my age. I probably wouldn't have been brought into any, well, there was obviously no strategy to it either because it generally isn't a strategy with small family business until you get to a point where you need to implement a strategy. That's growth or, you know, and there's only so much that a, a small pub can grow. So I probably didn't get the business end of things but definitely the working with the public and all that sort of stuff was definitely threw in at the deep end there and saw a lot heard a lot and is as is the code you don't say what you hear or tell what you see so i can't give you any, anything more than that any of the juicy it's all sacrosanct <laughs> now after that you moved to other establishments i think i first came across you came in contact with yeah. you whenever you were working in the bank bar the bank, and restaurant yeah. and yeah. you were you started off there I was fresh out of uh, a, a six weeks politics course in queens also known as a degree that i dropped out of so I had all good intentions of going back, but didn't go back because I loved my new job too much. And uh, yeah, that job was the bank. So full-time bar and floor and just sort of, you know, by default or whatever, work my way up in there. So it was a baptism affair. Now, times were different back then. And I, can, I know the time you're talking about, more and more people were going out. Nightclubs were busy. Bars and restaurants were generally busy. You had a lot of different experiences in there. You started off, I suppose, and, you know, learning the basic, the ropes uh, and then you moved through your management at one point? Yeah, it was management. Um, well, there was different tiers of management. Again, there may not have been a great strategy involved there because the bank was and as still is a family business. And I think it's quite difficult whenever you are a family business and you get bigger and demands sort of grow when you have to innovate a wee bit. It's hard to it's hard to stick your chest out and become not a family business anymore when you're bringing in outsiders and stuff. But at the time, it was unreal. Um, a grinder's really noisy, isn't it? But sorry, I think it's, it's a working yeah. podcast. I loved it. It was unreal, but it was different times. There was oodles of money about whether or not it was real money or fake credit or whatever way you want to look at it. Either way, people were spending money like sweets, so it was fun, and nobody seemed to have any worries, you know, about mortgages or interest rates or anything. That everybody was just out to have a good time. So as you move through your early career, let's say from the family pub to working in a, another, let's say, family organisation, uh, learning different aspects of how that business worked and how that business generated its revenue. Times were different back then. You sort of moved slightly differently. I think I first I came across you again in Cookstown of all places. Cookstown. In a petrol station. Yeah, mid Ulster. The very mid of mid Ulster. Maybe it isn't actually, I don't know. Um, yeah, I was in a petrol station, at least a petrol station for a few years which was a weird departure but uh, so so we're going from the hospitality space into a petrol station yeah completely different clientele it's different clientele but at the end of the day you still you know the very essence of the hospitality industry is that you must be hospitable 
and you must be hospitable in retail as well so it's you know it's the same kind of thing and regardless of what you're selling you're still selling something and you have to engage with your end user so it wasn't a massive change just had to dial down obviously you know you didn't have to use a tray anymore and you didn't have to be you'd have to be a wee bit less different maybe but nonetheless you know friendly if that makes any sense so your clientele may have been different there, um, but it was almost adapting the approach, adapting the strategy. The business obviously was was much more different than, than yeah, the, the business is yeah, yeah, it is it is totally different because there's less emphasis on service. Not not to say that service isn't important, but you know that can be covered with basic manners and a wee bit of you know a wee bit of mental arithmetic savvy. That's about as much as you need there. But uh, yeah, definitely the service end of things. You don't have to you know it's a very short transaction time and a higher turnover. So. But it's, it's good. It's good. Now, your customer service would be different, let's say. Yeah. And I've experienced that. Um, I've experienced different levels of it. So yours is very much based on, of course, building the relationship with the customer is very important. But it is very much based on banter, a bit of fun. Yeah. A bit yeah. of comedy. Yeah, a wee bit. I will, you know, you can't take the same approach with every single customer because every customer is different. And, you know, you, ha- you, can, you can weigh it up quite quickly as to whether or not the customer wants to be sworn at or uh, slagged in any way uh, and well thankfully I've never I've never misjudged it to a degree where it's been a complete failure um, I've had a few times where you know something has landed wrong um, but I've never I've never been unable to recover from it you know but it's just about having that you know but that comes with experience too um, most people do respond well to, to a bit of banter and a bit of um, what's the word um, realness you know because a lot authenticity. of authenticity yeah yeah i just i remember working with a guy and he was from he was from, he was from england i'll not say where but he was he was an english an english chap and the the, the push was on to make um good tips because we were you know we used to just sort of survive on our tips uh, during the week until he got paid on a friday and uh, we decided to have like a wee competition between us and he went full scale traditional waiter and he walked around with his hands behind his back you know the whole time and uh, you know like being really really over the top you know I am a classic waiter almost like a butler um, to his section of tables and I remember thinking to myself you are tit you know because uh, it just didn't work it didn't work in Uri you know it may have worked in you know a, a five star restaurant in Park Lane or somewhere but it wasn't going to work in Uri and I got on better than he did in terms of tips just by being normal and not being stuffy and that sort of thing which works better over here. Now, take me back to that time when you leased the petrol station. Yeah. Uh, let's let's look at that, that, um, some of the things that you learned there. Would that have been your first entry to running your own business, leasing the business off somebody else, yeah. obviously, and then having to make it work? Yeah. What were some of the challenges along the way, the difficulties that you had to overcome? Difficulties? Um, hmm... It was actually fairly straightforward because you don't have to, you know, because it's not as labour intensive as hospitality is, you don't have to worry too much about, uh, the, the main thing you have to worry about is your staff, is staff turning up, mm-hmm. you know, because if you don't have cover, then your business can't operate and it'll fall on you as the owner to to plug that gap. So having reliable staff, but that's something that you you can't really control you can't control whether someone is going to be reliable they either are or they aren't and mm. but once you get that team sorted out then you're okay but in terms of the actual operation of the business it is quite straightforward you buy things and you sell them and that's it you don't have to do anything else to them other than um put them on the shelf and you know given the location of the place and because it was 
you know, on the fringes of Cookstown and you had a lot of passing trade, you didn't have to put much thought into merchandising your, your products or, um, you know, anything like that to try and enhance sales or, you know, obviously there's small things you can do, but it, you didn't have to put an awful lot of brain power into it. It was just a case of be fully stocked, buy the stuff correctly, pay for it and then just sell it. And I remember that petrol station. It was, on a, it was on a good location. It was just off the yeah. roundabout there. You had Asda on the left-hand side, yeah. on up the road. And as you're coming out of Cookstown, you know, that, yeah. that's where you were. Yeah. So you would have had a lot of pass and trade. Yeah, a lot of pass and trade because there's there's a few conference centres and stuff sort of around that area. So you would have had people uh, from all over the north sort of dropping in, maybe looking for directions, buying something, yada, yada, yada. And then because of the range of products that we did, home heating, all that caper, um, bulk items and stuff, you would have had a lot of locals mm. um, using it as a partial sort of weekly shop destination. Uh, so you had a good, you had a good mix of, of people and a good mix of spend as well. So what happened next? Where did the journey take you next after that? Was it back into Newry? Was it back to the hospitality space? Yeah, back to Newry. Um, I got sick of driving. I was I did about three or four years of uh, driving 80 mile a day, which is it doesn't sound like much to some people, but it was a lot to me. And, uh, it's and a, not the best roads. Not a great road, very boring <laughs> road. Um, I think I, I exhausted my CD collection. I think that's what the problem was. Um, and there was no well, there were such things as podcasts, but it was uh, yeah. it wasn't a big thing at, at that stage. And there's only so much Hugo Duncan you can listen to. The wee man from Strabane. That's fake news. I love Hugo Duncan. <laughs> I think he's a legend. Have you ever interviewed him? I haven't. No. Have uh, and I must admit, I do tune into him an odd time. I like him. But a banter from Hugo does no harm. Yeah, very very little harm. Um, yeah. So I came back to Newry. Um, I wanted to the as straightforward and as financially rewarding as having a shop is. It, it, I was bored. I was bored, stupid. So the Makui Coffee Empire was born. Empire is a very generous word, William. But it was more than one at one point. It was more than one. I did have another one that uh, spectacularly failed and nosedived and knocked my confidence. Um, but yeah, which was five years ago. And I, you learned from that? I did learn from that. I did learn from that. And what would be uh, the biggest learning from that experience? If you could sum it up to three things, what would you say? Um, don't let your balls be bigger than your brains. I like that. <laughs> um, Which is a problem. It is. It depends on where you keep your brains. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Don't let your balls be bigger than your brains. And just because you've thought something out to the nth degree doesn't necessarily mean it's going to work anyway. And the third one would be you're better to regret doing something than regret not doing it. Yeah. I would have been annoyed at myself if I hadn't went for it. It seemed like a good idea. I did do the legwork in terms of research and footfall and stuff like that past it and that's the one thing that, that, that annoyed me at a stage but it, it just proved the point. I spent I'd say a good six weeks casing, casing the place which was operating as a coffee shop at that time and I got myself a wee clicker and I clicked every person that walked past it uh, and I will say past it I mean past the actual door bearing in mind that that street's quite narrow so even though you know, if you're walking on the opposite side of the street, you know, you could still feasibly capture a customer yeah. because it's so close. Um, and there's a good crossing and stuff there. But I can't, I can't remember the exact Number. dates. Yeah. But I mean, it was, the footfall was good. The footfall was there. The footfall was there. And I was sort of thinking to myself, right, well, if I can even capture, you know, 5% of this footfall that's going past the door, you know, on an hourly basis, that would still be the basis of a good, 
you know. And can I ask a question? Is there a why there? Why didn't that work? So if, if we take in that the footfall was there, because you did the clicker yourself, yeah. you know, it wasn't Fun- somebody saying to you, look, well, there's X amount of people walking up and down. Yeah. Why do you think that but, didn't convert? Newry is a small town. And what I've also learned, and what I'm, what not what I've learned, but what I'm starting to gather from having this conversation with other people from small towns or even large towns around um, the north, is that Northern Ireland is a small town in itself. Okay. Um, just because you have footfall there does not mean that they're a captive audience. Yeah. And because you have a lot of things against you, you have you know you're you're battling against like entrenched habits yeah, and routines uh, yeah. of people who who have lived their whole life around routine. And probably because there were a lot of businesses, especially in the hospitality end of things, that were there on their own. There was maybe two or three in the town for, say, 25 years. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden there's an influx of, you know, similar businesses that have all just come, you know, onto the scene. But for 25 years, people have been going to the same three places. And they don't care that somewhere new is opened mm. because it's not on their radar. It's not on their radar. It's not, you know, just because you live, eat, sleep, breathe and dream about a business idea does not mean that anyone else does because it's all going on inside your head and it might be going on inside your head for a year for five years or for 20 years and once you get to the stage where you unleash it you expect everybody to have been on the same journey as you but they're not because they don't know about it you know so that's a big kick in the teeth. But when once you get your head around that and you understand it, you can sort of make peace with it. Yeah, and that's something that I can really relate to. You know, just because you think the idea is going to be something that is going to be a success or is going to work, and and even though you've done copious amounts of research and you know you've did all that, it's a lot more difficult in reality, isn't it? Well, the actual working example of this is that I opened the shop over there one morning and baked my own scones and did all the things that you know you do whenever you have a coffee shop and it's all you know cottage industry nonsense and you know it's all cute and did that opened the doors out onto a beautiful sunny hill street mm-hmm. with lots of people bustling around at like half nine and there's you know you can smell scones out in the street and everything's beautiful and i'm writing out you know a, a, an a board saying you know freshly baked blah 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 and there was about three or four women coming along and they looked in you know there's all the doors open they looked in and Oh, that place looks lovely. And they watched what I was writing on the board, which was, you know, freshly baked scones, just out of the oven. And they all looked at it and, and, and agreed that there was a lovely smell and it looked lovely. And they walked right on over to the shelving. Yes. You know, but again... That's those entrenched habits. That they've been doing that for the last maybe 40 years, who yeah. knows? Yeah. So, you know, it's just not on their radar yeah. to, to step out of that routine. Yeah. So, and yeah. you can't, you really can't fight that. You can't yeah. capture, you can do all you can to suggest to people and be suggestive to them but you can't actually lasso them in and would it be fair to say then uh, on that top and on that point that it doesn't really matter how much marketing you do whether it's adverts in newspapers whether it's adverts on radio whether it's social media yeah i think you have to become part of the stream of consciousness for Mm -hmm. people um big showy marketing can well especially a lot of people seem to you know fall into that nonsense of using price as a marketing tool mm-hmm. and that especially in a small town it's just smacks of desperation yeah it does and people don't people tend to shy away from desperation you always get you know like a wee nucleus of people that will follow price but you, that's not the customer that you want obviously you want all the customers that you can get and you're grateful and you're appreciative of their support but that's not going to be someone who is going to be loyal to you you know or to loyal to your brand or your product they're just loyal to money 
So what do you what do you mark that down to that experience in that business? Do you mark that down to failure, or do you mark that down to a learning experience, um, or both? It's it's funny. I find it amusing to to mark it as a failure because then I can laugh at myself about it, and that's part of my brand is that sort of self deprecation and stuff. Um, but it's yes, it is technically it is a failure in that the business did not survive, and you know, but. Yes, I did gain knowledge from mm-hmm. it, you know, and it's maybe it gives you it gives you learning, you know, yeah. and that's learning doesn't pay bills, but especially at this stage because I'm still relatively young, it means I can apply that learning to something else if Definitely. I need to or I want to. And it's funny, Leanne, because you know if if you read into the sort of whole mantra of business and you look at what's happening in different parts of the world, if you look at America, for example, some of the most successful entrepreneurs have ran businesses that have crashed and burned. But in that world that they live in, in in the United States, they're a success, in a sense. Like, Americans in particular, and we're not going to get into the whole ins and outs of all of that. We're just going to say, if a business or a business owner fails, the the community embraces them. And I've almost found here, uh, and I've been, like yourself, involved in a number of different businesses over the years, as you know, from the days of outlastnight.com to everything in between. And I've always found that there's been some of those businesses along the way, like you, have failed yeah. and they just haven't worked whether it was too early and I always look at the curve in business and what I've always found in my own sort of business experience to date most of the time I've been ahead of the curve you're either ahead of the curve you're before the curve or you're on the curve and where you're going to make money is when you're on the curve mm-hmm. never never ahead of it or never behind it yeah, that's yeah. that's really what I've learned but in my feelings along the way people have laughed at it people have joked about it ah you're fuck you know your man or whatever you know and, and I find that to be a problem in this area but in Northern Ireland in general, we don't embrace failure. And I think we should embrace failure because we're only going to be able to learn by failing. Yeah. You know, we're not going to be able to take that learning that you, you know, from that experience that you had with that particular time to where you are now. Yeah. So I think we have to fail. Yeah. I think like en masse, people do, you know, scoff at, at people who fail. Yeah. Um, and, you know, the, the people in your inner sanctum and your, your inner circle are not going to be those people. They're, they're the people that will put their arms around you and that will have supported you in the first instance and will continue to do so whether or not you fail. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's, those are the people that you have to concentrate on. The, the people outside of that realm, you know, it's hard not to listen to them. Yeah. Um, but it is, I think it is exclusively, not so much an Irish thing actually, because you know, the slickers down down in, in the south are a wee bit more American in their outlook. Yeah, in their thinking. Yeah. Um, but I think because, I think Northern Ireland has a very special set of circumstances um, attached to the conflict and the emergence from conflict. And yeah. that um, it's probably trauma-related, like, realistically. And I know I'm laughing to myself here, but it probably is ridiculously trauma-related. And uh, that we're a put-upon race of people. Um, and when I say a race of people, I mean, you know, inhabitants of the North or Northern Ireland, whatever you want to call it. And that's, you know, irrespective of gender, religion, political persuasion, anything like that. Because we've been embattled for so many years that you shouldn't put your head above the precipice, that you should just take on, you know, you should just, you should just be, mm. you know. And, and to want to be more than what you are is weird to people, that they don't really understand it. That mm-hmm. you know, but I think the fact that we had a good solid, what thirty years there, 
of people just literally trying to go about their daily business without getting blew up or shot. Right? And that's the reality of it, which seems very dramatic, but it was essentially a reality. You know, so it was an achievement just to, to, to have a job and to you know, go about your daily business and, you know, and everything would be fine. So for somebody to come along and say, well, you know, in, in I don't know, what, in the early 80s and say, I want to open a, a juice bar. You say, what, what are you talking about? There's bigger things to be worried about than fucking opening a juice bar, you know. So I don't know if, that's a, if that humility is, is still entrenched, even if you call it humility, but it's just... It's not. It's a. It's a. An insular, you know, thing that's just going to pervade for a long time. But I think it'll eventually go. You know. One of the things that I find challenging is doing business locally. I found it difficult over the years. I found whilst we have some form of support, it hasn't been great. An example would be, um, you know, where I am currently in my own business. There would be nobody from the local economic sort of council slash and again I'm not I'm not pointing the finger I'm not sort of lambasting I'm no, not you're sort just of being passive aggressive I'm, I'm just making an observation um, but but there, the support hasn't been great for encouraging startups yes we've had success stories first derivatives yes we've had other success stories stat sports there's been a number of them but there's a lot of other businesses out there in a lot of different industries and in a lot of different sectors that, that really haven't got any support, that have really had to sort of do it off their own bat. Um, we're now in a very difficult economic climate. You're very aware of that. Yeah. I'm very aware of that. Innovation is key at the moment. Um, your business has had to innovate. Would that be fair to say? I mean, you've got this hatch opened up here. Yeah. That would seem to me that that's a type of innovation. Well, necessity is Necessity, more, more yeah. Well, call it what you want. Yeah. But let's say innovation. Now, from that perspective, we're sitting in your coffee shop here today. There's no seats out. The hatch is opened. Yep. Um, what would be some of the sort of things that you're starting to think of that, that may help your business um, innovate as we move forward? Because we're not kind of thinking about, you know, this is going to end today or tomorrow or next week. It's probably going to end sometime in the future if it ends at all. Yeah. What other innovations are you looking at here in McGuiz? Um, It's hard to know because at the minute, I don't think um, the customer base know what they want you know um every, everything's very very up in the air and um people are worried about safety they're worried about they're worried about what other people think so you know that's a big thing it's it's so so early and i don't even think the effect the true effects of this whole crisis are going to be felt for at least like it's you're talking a year you know sure. on down the line and yeah. then it's going to again pervade for whatever length of time after that five ten years who knows but there's basic innovation. I don't. I don't like using the term innovation because it's you know you're not reinvent. You're not reinventing the wheel, as such. You're just you're you're accommodating. You're making accommodations based around what you can't do at the minute. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, I can open at the minute because legally I can I can open, but I'm choosing not to because I've worked out that changing my business model through necessity has actually been a very good decision, and realistically. If I was a cutthroat proper business person, I probably should have closed my business maybe two or three years ago, uh, based on what I was making for myself, as in not the company, uh, but for me. Mm. But that's not isolated in your industry. I'm hearing from other people who run, let's say, coffee shops, sandwich shops, and now they're not opening Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. They're only choosing to open Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Yeah. 
you can do the same. It's like it's like having a, a it's like having a grocery shop that closes at ten o'clock. Like, you know, we have a, a business within the family that has been there for fifty or sixty years or something, and it closes at nine o'clock, and it always sort of has done. And I always remember saying, "Why not open?" Because a neighbouring business opens to eleven. So my thought process was, well, maybe if you open till 11 as well, you would capture the customers that would go to the other place. And the answer was, if you close at 9 o'clock, you'll have people coming in the door at 5 to 9. Mm. If you close at 10 o'clock, the same people will be coming in at 5 to 10. You know, people, you know, just because you extend hours or whatever doesn't, doesn't necessarily mean. mean that, you know, you're opening, you're opening up to more. And that's a very base explanation of things. But yeah, you can definitely do as much in a shorter time frame. And do you think, um, from a business perspective, uh, it's now more difficult to launch a business in this COVID-19 world? Uh, Do you think businesses can open? I think once we get a handle on what is going to be a good way of working in terms of people being in buildings, you know, um, you all right there anyway? No, girl. That was a a nice bit of locking action there. I think once we get a handle on, on how to manage people in retail situations then it might make things easier but because it's so early we don't know you know is, is social distancing at two, at two meters the best one meter with a mask with without a mask you know we're really in it's it's in its infancy this management of, of and we're in uncharted future. waters i suppose exactly. as well i don't want to use the term unprecedented or new normal no because please don't <laughs> um, but once that happens i mean there's still there's still a thirst there for new things there's still a thirst for, you know, what, what would have been considered luxury five, ten years ago is now considered necessity. Like, especially in this industry, coffee is, you know, well established now as a necessity. But ten years ago, now I know, you know, we had our first sort of major coffee shop on up the street. Yeah. Uh, what was he, 2007? Yeah, he was. Yeah. Um, and that, you know, that was very much just on the curve and mm. nothing more. Yes. You know. But before that, you know, the thought of going out for a coffee or getting a takeaway coffee was literally something that happened on TV in America, mm. you know. Um, and now you're seeing it. Now the donuts is the new thing, you know. And it's happened in... The donut thing happened in Dublin about about four years ago, three, four years ago. You had a couple of um, really high-end donut shops, you know, that were churning out these really good looking luxury products you know and that's finally made its way up to Neary which suggests to me that it's no longer a luxury in Dublin anymore and they're just trading normally boom 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 you know because people were driving to Dublin for these donuts yeah I can't actually remember the name of the donut I, I, I seen it on it's social on media George, one day yeah um, uh, but yeah I know what you yeah, mean yeah. yeah and and do you think um, we're going to see more of that um, as I understand and Danielle tells me this Dunkin Donuts is now available in Camla yeah so, why See, is it not near yet? Why, why is it there? Well, actually, Wayne, um, <laughs> I don't know how many years ago, but I'm going to go with about longer than 15 years ago. Dunkin' Donuts used to be out in the 24-hour in Belfast Road. Dunkin' Donuts and Baskin Robbins. I can, were like a, I can vaguely a remember dual, Baskin Robbins. Yeah, or Rubens. Is it Baskin Rubens or Robbins? Bas- Baskin Robbins. Are you like? sure it's Robbins? No, Rubens? I'm not. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll fact check that. Fact check that too. <laughs> um, but yeah, they were out there at that stage. But yeah, I, I mean, can... that was widely ahead of the curve. Yeah, it was. It widely was. so. 
Now, I got excited about that. Whenever Danielle told me that uh, Dunkin' Donuts were available in Camla, mm-hmm. I got really excited about that. And then I realised, and you're probably going to bounce me out the door here for this statement, but then I was disappointed that there was no coffee. Because I do like Dunkin' Donuts iced coffee. There. Dunkin' Donuts actually, well, I've, I, the last time I was in New York, I probably had a coffee from Dunkin' Donuts. I can't remember if I was overly impressed by it or not. Um, but was it iced? No, 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 no. It wasn't. I like the iced. That's that's a nice that's a nice thing for you. Yeah. Um, iced coffee is is becoming more of a thing here. See, this is. But a, if I came in here and asked you for an iced coffee, yeah, I, I could imagine your response to me. You see, because you know me. Yeah. But <laughs> that you are making a snap judgment there because I sell a lot of iced coffee. I sell iced americano. I sell uh, iced lattes. I have coconut milk, oat milk, almond milk, and soy milk. So, you are making a, a snapshot. Now, why would I not know about that? Because hmm? that's going to lead me into our social media discussions. Yes. You're very visible on social media. Mm-hmm. And you have been for some time. And you're yeah. probably one of the most well-known characters on social media. Locally. Locally, Locally. right? Locally. I've, you've been doing a lot of stuff on Snapchat over the years. Is that still a thing with you? No, not, it's no, kind of, no. Yeah, I, I used, to, used to do some things around yeah. a, a well-known so, supermarket. We'll not mention yeah. no names. It's, uh, it's more of a rural thing now snapchat okay you know um yeah uh, it's all it's all about the gram it's all about the gram it's the instagram the gram. uh yeah so, yeah but, so well, would yes. you be putting that type of stuff out on social media let people know what is the offering here in mccoy's in monaghan street what yes. can you get yeah. now i see a lot of the banter and the crack yeah and i knew you were doing some baking stuff at one time you were yeah. showing people how to bake things yeah you were doing all that type of stuff yeah i would it, it probably is hard to find a mix, but whenever I've done a few sort of, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, I, I've done a wee bit of work with different companies and stuff like that on a low level. And I've, I've done a few, I don't want to say the word seminar, but like a workshop yes. on social media. Yeah. yeah. So I do workshops on social media if anybody's interested. Leanne does workshops on social media yeah. if anybody's interested. And the so I've had maybe a group of say 12 people mostly drawn from hospitality but from retail as well and the first thing I do with them is shout at them mm. whenever I have them sitting down and talking and, and, and I shout stuff at them like um, lighters for for appropriate pound. stuff yeah yeah um, and uh, steak sandwich with onion rings and pepper sauce and your choice of side is twenty four ninety five. you know and they sort of look at me and I'm like they're like what are you talking about I'm saying that you know if if you're putting content out like that on social media, that's what that is akin to. Is if you walk into a restaurant, the first thing that your server does is say hello. Yes. It's not, you know, chicken carbonara, you know, with garlic bread, eight ninety five. Yeah. That's not what they do. The first thing they do is to say hello, and they might make a wee bit of small talk with you. Have so, some banter. Have some banter. So basically, social media is no different than having a conversation with you know face to face with your customer. So approach it in the same way. Um, but I probably have gone heavier on the banter mm. because I find that's what gets me engagement. Um, so at this stage of the game, you're talking, if I was to quantify it, you know, would probably be 70, 30 uh, banter sales, which it should probably be more evenly weighted. You know, and there are times whenever, to be honest, if I find that sales are slow, I will go into... I wouldn't say a panic mode, but Jesus, maybe I need to sort of actually tell people what I'm doing because you have to remember that people, you know, we have new people constantly following you all the time. 
So if I have, say, a couple of dozen people that have followed me very, you know, within a week, they may just be getting banter content yeah. without actually realising, hold on, this person's actually selling something and is operating the business. They're not just talking for the sake of talking. And it's important for business to realise that. You know, there's no point in just going on to social media and talking for the sake of talking. Yes. There needs to be a strategy behind it. And if you find locally businesses have been, let's say, slower to embrace the social media world of the gram and the Snapchats and these type of platforms, has there been a sort of reluctance to get on board with it? Put it this way, if I, because again, small town um, with with businesses, family run businesses in it, um, if I operate, say, a clothes shop in Newry or wherever, Bambridge, Cookstown, wherever, for 40 years, and all of a sudden there's this new thing that comes along, i.e. social media, um, that is free for me to advertise on and, you know, and it has all these, these benefits and people are raving about it. But I don't really know anything about it because I've never had to. And, you know, in some cases, you know, businesses like that that are like like second generation businesses, they've never had to advertise or market or have a strategy, you know, and I mean that in terms of print media. Let alone Would you run an advert in the newspaper today? No. Why? Uh, well... I'm not locally. I'm just saying in general. Would you would 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 you perceive that to to work for businesses today? It depends on the cost, and it would have to be something that is very innovative and very eye-catching and very outside the box. And it probably wouldn't be. Um, don't get me wrong. As I said before, there is an element of people who will gravitate towards price, and not knowing the price point of a venue may put them off even going into that venue because they're not sure of what you know they have to take with them in terms of money um, there are places that are known for the pricing right and for that reason or their perceived pricing and that will put people off uh, just thinking of coffee shop very nearest mm, okay. that some people will not go into because they perceive it to be high end in terms of price um, so if I put an advert in the paper say I really splurged took a thousand pound plus to that and took a full page ad out with my menu in it as is with pricing and all I imagine I would probably get some form of business out of that based on price but again it's not loyal and you know your print especially in terms of newspaper is appointment based you know so you read it if you buy it if you elect to buy it you will read it not necessarily depending on the placement there's so there's so much that you have to consider when you know the side of the the paper that you're in are you right hand or your left hand page you know wh- where is the placement of it um the print quality of it and then what do you put into it whereas and then you have to pay for that and then it's more localized as well it is. whereas you're on instagram and i mean i was having a hunt through and reading some reviews online i mean people don't just come from the local area to mccoy's there are people who've drove down from Dublin or have been passing through and have heard of you on Instagram or whatever it is and said, Jesus, we must call in. There's also a, a huge amount of my followers who will never be a customer here mm-hmm. because they are UK, um, America, um, Australia, things. And I, and I mean, like, you know, indigenous to those countries. And the likelihood of them ever coming to Ireland is really slim. But, but then is there an opportunity to bring McCooey's online if we're talking about the whole di- digital transformation of that? And I know you've dabbled with this. You've brought out some cups and stuff. Yeah. I've seen some things yeah. over the years. Was I that an attempt to maybe t- to, to look at that? Um, it was an attempt to, 
to dip the toe in and see merch depending on how you buy it and where you buy it can be very lucrative um, and from a profit margin perspective it can be very good and also if you're you're thumping your logo won't look then you have that sort of you know subliminal advertising there um, I have probably been reluctant to go full throttle with it because there's a part of me the northern Irish part of me says why the fuck would somebody want to have a fridge magnet that says McCoo's on it mm-hmm. You know, like, so, but that's that's the. the but the reality was, people do. I mean, I, 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 I used to drive down Monaghan Street on a regular basis, and I used to just look and see what have you got written on the board. Yeah. Because this board in itself. Yeah. I mean, and I, there would be a message on it or something. There yeah. would be something that would just be funny. The board goes down well, and it, it is it is a good thing. And it says now, closed till the storm passes. Closed till the storm passes. I wrote that the day that um, Michelle and Arlene declared non essential closed. Um, before reading the nuts and bolts guidance that said takeaway was still an option. Um, but I, I haven't rubbed it off yet and I don't know why. But there have been some other more memorable ones as well where that have really went... Yeah, well, I mean... It's, what, the first, viral on social media? Fuck, viral. Loose. Lo- locally viral. Locally viral. Locally viral. Yeah. Um, but that's, I think that's the big thing that people often miss on social media. Forget about global going viral. Yeah. Go viral locally. Yeah. You know, that's huge. Well... It no, can be. It can, yeah, it can be. So a well-timed, appropriate or inappropriate, as the case may be, um, you know, joke about something current affairs will go down well. It's all right. Let him in. He's grand. Sorry, we're just we're letting we're letting somebody in. Um, even even though we're not open to the public, we're still we're still letting. The we'll make the odd exception. We'll make the odd exception. Um, so, so that board in itself has been a valuable marketing tool, yeah, let's say. So, so someone, you know, a social media sceptic might say, well, and I'll tell you who the biggest one is, is my dad. And in the very early days of Facebook Live, I went live one day and there was maybe 30,000 views on it, mm-hmm. right? And I told him this, right? No, no one in my heart that he doesn't really care, right? But and doesn't really grasp social media. But at the end of the day, if you say 30,000 people have viewed something, or, yeah. you know, you have, a, you have a notion of what that is. What, what is Croke Park called? 80, 70, yeah. 80,000? Yeah. Right? So, for talk's sake, half a Croke Park yeah. watched this video. And he said, right, okay, that's great. He says, 30,000 people are going to come in here now. You know, I'm saying, no, they're not, obviously. That's not how it works. And he's saying, well, you know, it doesn't really mean anything then. Yeah. But I would go down that the 1% route there. Yeah. So if 1% of that 30,000, if that translates into sales, however slow, then that's a win. right? But then the friends of those 30,000 people yeah. will you'd say, oh, you know, I saw something really funny the other day. There was some somebody talking about something in a car park. right? And the biggest thing that came out of that live video was behind me, I didn't realise, there was a car with a flat wheel. Right? flat tire and as it turned out it actually was one of the girls in here but people were commenting live saying that yoke has a flat you may ring king fit and things like that so and there was there was uh, like tire companies getting tagged on it so there's stuff. a lot of crossover there yeah but that was from one thing that i hadn't intended to happen mm-hmm. you know so there was a bit of banter in that and it went from that did you see the flat did you see the flat tire and the yoke you know in that video what video the video of your woman uh, talking in the car park who's that McCoy's. where's that you know, on Monaghan Street there, it's a ca- it's only a wee cafe place. No one ever heard of that. So it's all very tenuous, word of mouth. Yeah. But 
again, as I said earlier on, calling back to that notion of if you can establish a place in a stream of consciousness, then that's the aim that you're going for, rather than just screaming at someone, I can do you a favour favour. Yeah. You know, because that doesn't generate, it doesn't it doesn't spark an emotion in anybody. So businesses listening to the podcast today, maybe looking what be three tips. Three, three tips. simple tips. Take um, your social media to the next level. Take your social media forward. What do you need to be thinking about? Uh, right. If you're not educating people, entertaining them or empowering them, forget about it. Yeah. Uh, so entertain, educate, or empower. Uh, you're you're aiming to and this is and find of, your personality. Yeah, this builds into one as well. Uh, right. So on that topic, right. Some people don't have a personality that translates well into. It, it, being an entertainer, right? So my content entertains, right? On the rare occasion, it will educate because, as you said, I've been showing people how to bake and, and wee tips and hacks around cooking, right? So that's education. People will take that and retain that information because it's pertinent. Yeah. Uh, entertainment, we can all buy into entertainment, you know, if you get a chuckle. Uh, empowerment, which is a massive one um, at the minute, is the, like, sort of little penny thoughts. Mm-hmm. Um, she just comes to mind straight away because there's you know quotes and stuff there around reassurance, mindfulness, um, you know things like that, and that that will resonate with people. One of the biggest local Facebook followings in this town, and I'm sure well, you know who it is, right? Um, but you may not know who it is. Is Irish Memory Cards? I do know who it is. Right? Yeah. Irish. Have you seen the stats? I haven't. No. Irish Memory Cards has around half a million followers okay. on Facebook. Right. They're based in a very small street, in, yeah. a, in a very small part yeah, of Erie, yeah, yeah. right? Um, but unfortunately, the emotion that they are, cap- I don't want to say capitalising on, but the emotion that's that's triggered with people there is around grief. There's an emotional connection there. Yeah, uh, around grief, reassurance, um, around, you know, topics around sort of grief and loss and, and managing, you know, the death of a loved one, stuff like that. And as grim as that is, the reality is that people... You know, it fires an emotion in people and therefore creates engagement yeah. and their engagement is absolutely massive. Massive. Yeah, I think the emotional connection aspect yeah. of it's really important. Yeah. And people need to really sort of try to tap into that yeah. where possible and also so where appropriate. You're, you're tapping into emotion. Another thing another tip would be is to be consistent. Um if you're going to even bother with a social media presence, you must be consistent. And if that's one post a week Right, that's taking it to an extreme. If it's one post a week, make it one post a week. Have it, have a select time for it. Um, if it's three times a week, if it's once a day, if it's twice a day, um, and then also bear in mind, don't overkill it. Yeah. Right, don't do it five times a day because people will just switch you off. Uh, but be consistent with it and be consistent with your branding, your logos, your fonts, um, even what. what app you're using to create images or to you know to take photographs if you're using your instagram and you're saving your camera roll to put onto facebook do that all the time don't just go off kilter and use snapchat or you know even your native camera app you know just keep it all the same one thing i've noticed about a lot of your social media leanne is and again i'm following it as well you, you do make it very topical um you're current sometimes but you also spin in a little bit of nostalgia. Yeah. Because everybody loves a little bit of nostalgia. Yeah, nostalgia. And I think you, awesome. you do that really well in the sense that a lot of the stuff, when I follow and see your social media, it's relatable to me, given my age demographic. Yeah. Because we wouldn't be too far 
no. in terms of the age demographic. No. Uh, nostalgia, that's, that's another part of emotion though as well. Yeah. That's, you know, people like nostalgia. It feels warm, it feels safe, it's yeah. secure. You've got, you've got good memories. Sometimes you maybe have bad memories um, or, you know, depending on what you're tapping into. But generally speaking, you know, and it's something that galvanizes people as well because it's, especially around pop culture um, and things like that, you know, people can bond over it very well and then that creates a natural engagement. Yeah. And it's engagement that you're looking for, meaningful engagement. And that's not difficult to do a lot of the times and businesses think it's harder than it actually is. Yeah, I think that's the main thing is they do think it's harder than it is and that you have to become someone else in order to achieve that to achieve that but you don't and that's that's, that's probably the third thing is to be authentic yeah. and to be true to yourself now if you are not the person for social media in terms of video in terms of whatever um you either need to become you need to get over it basically or find someone within your business to become that face on social media and keep them well there's bound to be somebody and i know Soul traders and stuff like that, it is maybe difficult and you do have to do things you don't want to do. But, you know, if you have a company there where you have, you know, a big, bigger pool of staff, there, there must be at least one person who can be the personality or the face of your business. Yeah. And if your ego is too big to allow that, then you're just going to have to just accept the fact that you're not going to be a social media sensation, you know. Um, so, yeah, you have to step outside your own comfort zone and just be you. Because at the end of the day, yes... Like I've, I've had this conversation with people say, oh, I don't want to be on, I don't want to be on a video, I don't want to be on a video. And I say, you need to realise that the internet is much, much bigger than you. Yeah. And that someone will watch that video and they will instantly forget it because you are competing with puppies trying to get into the same slipper as a kitten, yeah. as people falling you know, yeah. into lakes and stuff like that. Yeah. And you know, so you know, it, it is very fleeting. And you have to really stand out to make people stop, to stop scrolling, yeah. stop that thumb going. Um, and they'll just move on to something else. Yeah. Well, so my big thing on social media content is throw away. It's disposable a lot yeah. of the times. Yeah, as you say, somebody will watch it once and then they'll move on with their life. Yeah. The, the, the opportunity for you as a business is to continually push out consistent content that's on brand message and all of those types of things that feed into that whilst not trying to sell. Yeah. Sell doesn't work on social media as you've already alluded to and you've already said somebody coming into your restaurant and just splurting out the offer straight away yeah. build a relationship build a rapport build a connection with the person yeah. as well online and I think what's so important that people need to keep in mind as well it is about conversions as well yeah. you know you've got to be trying to convert people um, and you do have to be thinking about that and keep that at the back of your mind all the time and that's where a lot of businesses sometimes find that grey area ah, social media doesn't work yeah. It, yeah, it has to be subtle you know, of sales, sales, you know, has to be subtle. Um, you know, if you're if you're building a relationship with someone, you're trying to almost make it seem as if you don't want their money. Yeah. That you want to be their friend, and you know, somebody asked me one time, on a day to day basis, do I see people coming in through the door, or do I see pound signs? And my answer was people, and that's probably a reason why I'm never going to be a very successful, financially successful mm-hmm. business person because I do see the person as opposed to what's in their pocket. and But that's just me, that's, that's who I am, and at least I, I know that's who I am. So on that topic, where do we see McCoo's in five years time, three years time? Is that too far to project right now in the current world that we're in, or? Uh, a lot can happen in five years. I've Is there a plan? No, there's no plan. Is there a business plan? No. Oh, never, remember we talked about this. I've never, never written a business plan in my entire life. I've also never sought a formal interview. Uh, in my entire life. I have been on an interview panel 
formulated panel for, um, well, not say for, but yeah, but I've never actually sat a formal interview. Um, I wouldn't get bogged down in that. A lot of people do, you know, business startups do tend to ruminate and obsess over business plans and stuff like that. And, you know, if you want to call my foray into Hill Street, me doing work on the numbers and stuff like that, if you want to say that could be the formulation of a business plan. You know, if I had to put that down in writing and say, you know, there are 600 people every hour walking past this place, blah, 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 blah. If I had to put that all down on paper, it would have sounded brilliant. But the reality was that it didn't work. So that has, you know, the experience there has made that business plan obsolete. And I completely agree with you. I've never had a business plan in all of the little businesses that I'm running. My current startup that we've been developing and growing at the moment doesn't either have a business plan associated with it. Those things are very good if you're going to the bank and you're looking for a, a loan. Uh, but in... It's not, re- it's not real a lot of the time. It's no. not the reality of what it is. No, definitely not. Um, that's not to say that it isn't helpful to put ideas down on paper in a different way. Agree. Uh, I would be... Now, the odd... T- I, I'm, I'm a thinker. I'm a constant thinker. As in 24 hours a day, think, 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 think. And people... I don't think people realise that about me, that it doesn't really ever stop. Uh, and sometimes if it gets overwhelming, um, if I'm thinking about three or four different things, especially business-related... Um, find it is helpful if you take a nice pristine white sheet of A4 and you write a word in the middle of it. So say say you're thinking about your your new business startup. Yeah. So write that. So write startup in yeah. the middle of the page. Draw a nice circle around it, and then just write out from there. Just line out from that and write the first word that comes into your head. Don't think. Right. So startup could be write uh, promotion. And then the next thing would be family life, blah, 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 blah. Don't think about it. You know, just get it out onto the paper and then look at it and then take each one in turn. So say effect on family, circle around that, line out from that, you know, talk to the wife, uh, blah, 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 you know, childcare, whatever. And sometimes that, I don't know if you want to call it a mind map or something like that, but it's basically trying to siphon off all those excess thoughts into your head. Or out of your head on the paper and then you can home in on ones and sometimes you write down things that you don't actually realize you've been thinking about so it does sound a wee bit out there yeah but not out there but maybe a wee bit patronizing um but actually if you do it sometimes it can it can guide you and direct you a wee bit more focused you know definitely so definitely now today is a level results day um yep. in the not too distant future it'll probably be gcse results yep. a lot of people apprehensive about there's a lot of talk in the media at the moment about predicted grades and algorithms, 30% lower on the, yeah. all sorts of stuff. Yeah. What would be your sort of three tips that we would give to a younger Leanne McCooey? Let's say it. Do some work. <laughs> the younger Leanne McCooey coming out of the Sacred Heart Grammar School in Yuri. Um, well, my, my ALF results were not what they should have been. Right? Nor mine. Um, <laughs> I, I was very... Uh, I did, I did everything arse about face at school. So in fourth year, I was working, boom. I was ready for GCSE in fourth year. Fifth year, bored. Bored of this now, completely bored. Can we do something else now, please? Um, so my GCSEs probably weren't what they could have been. And that was the same then in, uh, in A-level. Uh, sixth year, I was, I was ready to rock. Like. So um, when I came to UCAS, predicted grades, three years, no problem. And I came out with a BCD. Dun, dun, dun. Um, in my defence, I was two marks off a B in the politics. Three marks off, actually. Got it remarked. Didn't mark me up. Wee bit pissed off at CCA about that. 
but whatever. No grudge there. No grudge. <laughs> I, you know, it wasn't where, it, it, basically my A-level results have had no effect on my life. Yeah. Um, I think that's really important yeah, for people to understand. Yeah, I didn't work hard enough uh, when I was at school, but there were reasons for that, mm-hmm. right? Um, I am not a regurgitator of information, um, especially if I'm not wholeheartedly committed and interested by it. Um, and that's the type of, that's literally who I am as a person. Could I have had... But exams, Leanne, to be fair, are regurgitators of information by their very nature. Yeah. You know... It, the fact that you are able to regurgitate that information, you're able to, sto- you're able to store it, process it, under, maybe not understand it all the time, but you're able to recall it shows that you have been disciplined enough to be able to do that. And discipline is something that is very important and is something I have never been able to master and probably was never pushed to. Uh, I did ask a woman that taught me one time, I was like, why did you not tell me to do a bit of work? And uh, she said, if we had pushed you to do more work or to knuckle down, she said, you would have rebelled completely. So, you know, we were, I always had a good relationship with, with the teachers, you know, and was able to speak with them frankly and openly. Um, she just said it was better just to let you do whatever you, you sort of wanted to do and just work from there. And I was like, do what? That's fair enough. You know, I still get into uni. And, you know, yes, I did drop out. Did I want to be in Queen's? Not really. Did I really want to go to university? No, not really. Uh, I did it because everybody else was doing it. Um, I sent my UCAS form off, famously. The girls always laugh about it. Um, because back in those days, you obviously had to stick it into the post box. And I stuck it into the post box in Newtown with a 50p sellotape lit on a Sunday evening because there was no stamps in the shop. Did it get there? Yep. Ah, brilliant. I literally sellotaped a 50 pence piece wow. onto the UCAS form, the envelope, and away it went. And yes, it got there. And, it's uh, gas. So, well, obviously, <laughs> the postman must have took pity, maybe, and, and, and went and got a, uh, you know, a stamp. Uh, but yeah, it got there. But I didn't want to go. Yeah. I had no interest in going, but it was the dumb thing. Um, you know, nobody ever. And it still is the dumb thing. Nobody sits a down in, in, well, I don't know about, you know, in a grammar school situation anyway, and says, here are the alternatives to, you know, the classic going to do law, going to do medicine, going to do blah, blah, blah. Um, and th- those vocational subjects, if you decide you want to do it and you, and you go through all the steps, the means to the end, then fair play to you. But for the little dreamers and the wee creative people, you know, it's impossible to know what you want to do. If, if, you, if you're a dreamer or a creator, then unless it's art, like, you know, I don't know what schools are like now, but nobody ever mentioned the term multimedia in the Sacred Heart. Nobody said, you know, talked about, I don't know, sound engineering or production. Definitely there was no, there was no cyber stuff at that stage. No. Um, but unless it was fine art, you know, art, the, the arts weren't really... Yeah talked about you know yeah i think there has been a bit of a shift now you know being a parent of of two kids myself you know there is a little bit more of a shift in terms of the alternative routes into different career paths you don't have to go down that a level if you don't want to you can go to the southern regional college you can take an some sort of course that gets you there i i I guess and that's good to see because whenever you were going through and, and even when i was going through those terms like i remember my business studies class i hated accountancy and actually, over the past number of years, I began to enjoy that aspect of the business, yeah. which is weird. Because yeah. when I was going through school, I hated accountancy. 
and yeah. business studies for the most part. Yeah, I, I did. Yeah, but the, the guy did business studies GCSE as well, and the fourth year loved it. Mm. Listen, loved it, and then I think I got a C in it or something. And here you are running your own business. Yeah, but I mean, I'm not going to get into what you know. What could have been? <laughs> no, what, what 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 you know the education system's definition of a business is, yeah. as opposed to this actual skills the, that you need to, to run a yeah. business. Yeah. You know. And I see this, Leanne, and I'm not going to go off on a tangent because we've talked about a lot of stuff today. Um, but And I see this sometimes on LinkedIn in particular. I see academics delivering TED Talks, delivering workshops on entrepreneurship, business startup. And the reality of it is they've never ran a business. Yeah. But here they are pontificating yeah. from an academia point of view. Yeah. And I find that difficult to connect with. It because the reality yeah. of it is, unless you're in the trenches... In your business or my business, you've no, and nobody's used a bad word yet. You have I did no say feck a couple of times. fecking idea. Yeah. Would that be fair to say? I would agree with that. I mean, <laughs> whenever I was over in in the bank, right, and I sort of ascended, you know, through whatever, right, whatever the journey was, right. But I didn't obviously didn't have any uh, third level education <laughs> that was meaningful. Uh, in terms of hospitality or a business degree or anything like that, but the term and the, the job title that I had was general manager, and probably to date, um, well maybe not to date, but certainly at that stage, I was probably the most general manager that they had, in that there was no role within the business that I couldn't, you know, that I couldn't step into. Yeah. So whether that was back of house kitchen. Um, front of house, bar, floor, cloakroom. Right. So you think of all the things that you have to do within that organisation. Mm-hmm. So you have the cloakroom, you have the pay desk, um, you have a security, um, and then you have the really basic cleaning toilets, doing this, doing that, doing the other, blah, 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 blah. Um, so the, if any member of staff from any of those sections wasn't available, I could do that job competently. And, and do it well so that that's very general scope you know whereas someone who has completed their three-year degree or whatever or, or went ahead and done a master or something like that yes they've done a placement maybe uh, in whatever you know in a hotel or something like that but there's only so much there's only that's only a snapshot so i think you do have to cut your teeth mm-hmm. if you're going to be if you can proclaim to be you know uh you know an authority on these things so you have to do your ten thousand hours yeah yeah, could not agree more. Um, and but the, would I be considered, or maybe what's different now? I think people are, are sort of more more impressed by experience and more impressed by um, you know time spent on the job as opposed to yeah. you know academics. But 15, 20 years ago, it probably would have been the third level education. But it's circling back program. around yeah. to that first coffee shop. In Hill, or that coffee shop in Hill Street yeah. it's circling back around to the petrol station in yeah. Cookstown it's circling back around to where you are now yeah. there's no way in hell you could have learned that stuff no. at university I think the most important thing if, if you're going if you're going to make that decision to work especially within the public domain and work with the public you have to just get in there and do it you can't do it remotely you can't do it from a computer you can't do it from a textbook you can't do it um, by reading case studies you have to get in there and do it and I know times are hard, and it, you know employment is, you know, bottoming out almost. But um, it is just all about getting as much experience under your belt as you can get. 
and getting your foot in the door. And, and not yeah. to take away from the educational route, because the educational route is still important, but you need to get out there and you need to knock that door. You need to get in there and cut your teeth in industry. Yeah. And I think the most important thing is, is if you don't have, and passion is a weird word, especially for Irish people, right? Because you can't really say it without somebody going, you know, because uh, people think passion's just raiding, <laughs> which it isn't. Um, so I, th I think if you don't have a passion for something, you should just forget about it. You know, um, you can't create a passion for something. You can't learn it. You can't wait for it to evolve. Um, it's either there or it isn't. Would it, be, would it be fair to say, Leanne, that you're in the, like myself, the unemployed camp? We're just, we're just not employable anymore. Um, would you find it difficult to go back into an organisation? Would you find it difficult to work for somebody else? No. Are you happy doing what you're doing? Not all the time. And I think that's what business is all about. Yeah. Um, no, I would have absolutely no problem taking direction from someone else. Um, being someone's subordinate doesn't, doesn't annoy me in the least. Because as long as I'm secure in my in, in where I would be in that business and you know the tasks that I have to complete and you know the things that I am able to do, if I'm secure within that, I don't care if I have a boss or if I don't have a boss, you know, because I'm happy doing the job that I'm doing, you know, and I'm confident in doing that job. So it doesn't matter, you know. Um, I didn't get, I didn't decide to work for myself because I couldn't take direction from someone or because I wanted to be the top dog. Because realistically, even though we are, the, I am the boss of this shitty organisation, my oh. boss is the customer, you know? The customer dictates everything. Absolutely. So if I, because you know, people say, especially touching on the social media thing again, um, how do you get away with saying the stuff that you say? I said, what do you, what do you mean? Like, you know, like, you know, you say what people think and, you know, and realistically, locally, yeah, I'm like, oh, so controversial, right? But in the grand scheme of things, I am really not controversial at all, right? I don't say things that offend people, uh, you know, willingly. Again, offence is taken, not given. Um, but I don't come out with anything that, that you know, left feel that it's really like, wow. But at the end of the day, if my customers start to dislike what I'm doing, well, they're my boss because they're not going to spend their money with me. And know? they'll just go elsewhere. So, yeah, they'll, yeah. so th that's you being called to account by your, you know, by your boss as such. So even though you're running your own business, you are your own boss, you're still accountable to fundamentally to the customer. 100%. And if you think that you aren't, then you're wrong and you're a fool. Now, you mentioned this earlier on, before we wrap up, how can people find out a little bit more about the social media workshops that you run in particular? The are they, media are, they still, are they still a thing? Because I know we had a conversation loosely about this about two years ago. Yeah. You were walking your dog okay. across by the town hall there. Yeah. We, we chatted about a few things. Um, is that still a thing? It is and it isn't. Was, it, it, I, is I, it a loose thing? It's a very loose thing. People had sort of come to me um, individually uh, looking for you know, hints and tips on their social media. And I would sit down with them and I would probably maybe spend an hour to, or at least an hour, um, talking through, you know, what, you know, what I think they should do, right? And to be honest, right, and this again is, you know, part of me not seeing pound signs and seeing people instead. I would maybe give them a slap of, you know, semi-innovative ideas for them to take away and, you know, and I'd say, you know, say somebody in a, I don't know, a candle shop and they're trying to, you know, pimp out their stuff. I'd be saying, right, well, what would I do if I owned that candle shop? 
I would uh, I would maybe produce a very you know small you know votive candle or something like that you know pick a a memorable date uh, you know create like a holiday or create something you know and give out a load of these candles and say to people photograph this and put it on Instagram and you can win whatever right so that that would be a way of, of promoting you know blah 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 right that's that's just off but you're still available to help people yeah somebody but that's not getting me anywhere because I have spent two hours with someone they've got two hours of value of value and even right so like you know Forgetting someone, the pine someone, signs. Yeah, someone listening to this podcast, we've talked about, say, a dozen things, right? We have. So if someone listening to this gets value out of one of those things, then that's valuable. So same thing applies. Uh, so and then I realised, you know what, because I'm doing this over and over and over again, and suddenly two hours here and two hours there could turn into maybe 20 hours a month, right? And somebody who is savvy would say, well, if I was charging... Fifteen pound an hour. There's three hundred quid. But I think there's where we need to take Leanne McCoy online, where people can buy a subscription to that content. Exactly. And does, that's does, what does we Leanne, need to do. Does Leanne McCoy have a passion for, for that? Passion and dedication to and do that. The but could Leanne McCoy not collaborate to make that happen? Because there is a lot of work involved with in that. Let's be honest. There is a lot of work involved. In, in, yes. In, in getting that process, those thoughts down on paper. That somebody yeah. would say, pay you something for that. Well, that's where I decided, you know what, I'm having, I'm, I'm having the same conversation over and over and over again because those basic fundamentals of social media, you know, stay basically fundamental yeah. regardless of the sector. Correct, correct. Right? So having to repeat myself all the time was what was getting on my nerves. So I thought, well, sure, I'll put this down in a very crummy PowerPoint, these basic fundamentals, and then open it up to asking, you know, asking questions. So fundamentals, how I apply the fundamentals to my business and what the achievements per se have been and then throw it out to questions. So that was basically a two hour sort of thing, two, three hours, absolute tops uh, workshop. So call it what you want. And some people would get something out of it. Some people maybe not so much. Uh, but again, it just it condensed all those you know, mini conversations that was having sort of unilaterally all around the place into one thing. So if you haven't heard it, you know, from, you know, in that three hour thing, you're not going to hear it from me. So you go elsewhere. Go elsewhere. So pay £25 to hear it. And if it doesn't suit you, well then, sorry, but, you know. So people want to find information about that. Let's say there's somebody listening. How can they find out about it? Is there a Facebook page? Is there a website? Do they call in here and go, hey, Leanne, listen to the podcast? Probably the the most uh, direct form of communication with me is... Facebook Messenger or Instagram. Or Instagram. Um, and what is the Instagram? Instagram is just at McCoy's Nearly. That's for my socials right across the board, apart from Twitter, because I try and keep things not work-related on Twitter. I tend to keep things, you know, Northern Ireland politics and dark meme content-based on there, so I think I'm at McCoy Comedy okay. on there. Um, but I did, I did set up, a, I do have a, a company called Ginger Social, so it's Ginger Social. Ginger Social. And they have a Facebook page. Do you have a Facebook page? Is it updated regularly? No. Does that say to me that I don't have passion for it? Yes. Okay. So if people want to find out more information, those are the ways to go about it. Those are and the I ways think to go about it. there's probably another conversation that we can have on that front. Because more than likely, but I've been collaborating with people for years. I'm still single. <laughs> Leanne, 
thank you for joining me on, on this episode of the podcast. It's thank been you. fun. I knew it was going to be fun. And I didn't, it wasn't really, as, I didn't really swear it, that much. It, I was just going to say that it wasn't as explicit yeah. as I thought it was going to be. Yeah. I'm kind of disappointed. Are you disappointed? I'm sorry. I could reel off a, an absolute, you know, ex- a non-exhaustive list of no. profanity if you want. We'll keep that. And I think there was a list of that. Didn't you bring out a list of something? No, at well, one point? It, it was a yeah, yeah. It was a an eight. See, I follow a lot of this stuff. Yeah, it's pretty, I it's see a lot of your permeated, stuff. That's permeated the, the consciousness there. Yeah, it has, yeah. and that's what you want to achieve yeah. in your social media. I'm much more intelligent than you give me credit for. She's surprised. Look at her. She's well, look, it's been fun. Let's pick this up fun. again. Yes. And I know that you're going to put this out as well. Yes, I do have a podcast, which is fun. Give it a plug, please. Yeah, by uh, very few people. It's called Modern Life is Rubbish. Okay. And it is available uh, on Spotify and Podbean and every, all of those sorts of places. Wherever you get your podcast from, it's, it's on there. And no, it isn't a blur related uh, podcast. It, it's just literally, I do think that Modern Life is Rubbish. There we go. And I'll make sure that I make reference to that in this in the show notes as well. When I do a summary up of all we've chatted about today, it's been brilliant. It's been fun. Super. And I think we definitely, there's more scope to do a follow-up on this. Okay. Leanne, thanks sounds very like, much. Sounds like a threat. Appreciate Thank it. Thank you. There you have it. Another fantastic episode. Hope you enjoyed all of the great takeaways in today's episode with Leanne. I mean, there are just so many that you know we could spend another hour just trying to sum up what we've covered in today's episode of the podcast. I suppose some of the key takeaways that I'm taking away from today's episode is that success really takes time. And it's absolutely the case. It doesn't matter whether you're uh, starting a business, uh, whether you're launching a product or a service, or whether you're going back to university and you're studying a course, it's going to take time for you to have that success. It's important that you don't give up. Um, Hard work and determination are absolutely key. And I remember hearing a saying many years ago that it takes 10 years to become an overnight success. So those people who have that success really quickly have probably worked a lot longer than you think to get to that point in their career or their business. Leanne also talked about the importance of forgetting about what people have to say about you. And because of the world that we live in with social media, people can post comments, people can upload things, people can you know, share things on social media that can impact you, your business, your brand, or your career. But it is important to remember that you control your own life and you are the only one that can make changes in that life. But also, you need to focus on getting over those initial fears that you might have. Leanne also talked about the whole aspect of being a risk taker. And that is crucial. That is critical in business. But it's also really important in life. You've got to take risks. If you want to get to where you want to be, you've got to take risks along the way. You know, don't let those fears hold you back. Put in the hard work and really forget about what people are saying about you. This is a great episode today. I hope you've enjoyed it. We spent one hour and 10 minutes having that conversation. And no doubt, as I listen back through the conversation and the podcast time and time again, there are going to be new things that I'm going to take away from this episode. Don't forget, if you have enjoyed today's podcast, please make sure that you share it across your social media platforms. Uh, Please do get in touch if you would like to come on to the show as a guest. We're always looking for interesting guests. Please do drop us an email to studio at zerolivesleft.com. 
podcast. And don't forget to stop by the Zero Lives Left podcasting website. Lots of other great information over there. If you're somebody who'd like to launch your own podcast and you've got no ideas about how to do that, that was me four or five years ago. Absolutely no idea of how to start a podcast. We have created a simple ebook that you can download from the Zero Lives Left podcast.com website. Make sure you check that out. It's got my seven simple tips on how to successfully launch your own podcast. Don't forget to stick around. We're going to be coming back very soon with episode 54 of the Zero Lives Left podcast. Thanks for listening to the Zero Lives Left podcast with Wayne Denner. Make sure to check out Wayne's new book, The Student's Guide to an Epic Online Reputation, available from WayneDenner.com and follow him on Twitter at Wayne Denner. Tune in next time.